Now, I'm speaking to Remy Brion, Head of ESG at Global, Global Index Provider, MSCI. We're going to have a chat about net zero, what it really means, and how investors can understand what their portfolio holdings are doing in order to meet these targets. So, Remy, for those that don't know, can you please just set the scene for us? There have been lots of companies announcing net zero pledges, um, governments as well. But why, why is a net zero economy and all of these commitments so important? Yeah, so clearly we, we have a, a major existential threat that could affect the planet, which is you no know, climate change. And in order to manage uh, a reasonable increase in temperature, which would be 1.5 degree or two, we need to transform our economy to move to an economy which has uh, much less emission. And, and that is, is obviously a major, major change. And that's why it's so important both for people and the planet, but also for investors to look at. Yeah, exactly. And as we count down to COP26, um, as I mentioned before, COP, lot more, lots of more companies are making these net zero pledges. What should responsible investors be asking these companies about their commitments? What should they, what's the key questions that need to be asked? Yeah, so first, um, it's good that companies are making the, those pledges. You know, it's still not the case that every company is um, uh, having a public sort of uh, strategy on climate and in particular a commitment to reduce emissions. So, so that's the positive. Uh, what we see, however, is that the, um, you know, the diversity and the quality of those commitments are, are you know, diversity is, is very big, very high, uh, and the commitment sometimes can be high, sometimes can be quite low. And to just to give you uh, an example, you know, a few examples, uh, which affects the targets, but also affects the disclosure of, um, you know, of emissions. You, you have company making uh, commitments, but for example, they would uh, take out, you know, their Asian operation, right? Or there would be an automobile manufacturer and don't uh, take into account their truck fleet. So, so this, you know, is clearly um, you know, misleading if, if you want. Uh, and, and that's why uh, it's very important to go beyond the sort of headline uh, element mm. and really look into the details of, of this commitment. So, so the scope uh, of the commitments, the length, uh, if you want, of the mm. commitment, in particular, uh, how quickly uh, the emission would go down in the short term, because, you know, it's obviously much easier to make a, a commitment to 2050 and do nothing for, you know, a decade, as opposed to uh, reducing the emission, you know, every year on a systematic basis. So that's another example of, um, you know, the, the type of analysis or question that uh, investors should ask. Uh, when um, when looking at these um, you know at these targets okay and and the, should they should they be looking for interim targets some of these targets can be quite long term can't they so obviously we don't want to get to 2030 2040 and sort of think oh where, where have we got to what sort of interim targets should we be looking for so clearly having uh, uh, targets that sort of roll every five years, for example, would be uh, reasonable. But then it's, it's also a question of reporting regularly on progress, you mm. know, to uh, investors, or if you if you're a company to report on progress, because when you also look at 
the track record of company in reducing the emission. Uh, some are fairly effective, uh, but you also have quite a number of companies that you know fail in meeting their previous objectives. So, so the track record, if you want, is is also a, a good um, you know good indication of of uh, the future trend. Mm. What we've also sort of noticed, if if you want, is that um, you you have the notion of absolute emission, and then you have the notion of uh, emission intensity, which is essentially how much emission per unit or of production or per unit of revenues. Um, what matters is to reduce uh, overall the absolute emission. That is what is going to help uh, deal with climate change. But uh, you have a lot of, of commitments or targets that are expressed in terms of intensity. And so you can be in a configuration where your intensity go down but your overall emission for one company are still going up because you're growing production, you know, in general. Mm -hmm. So that's another angle that, you know, is important to, uh, to look at so that you don't end up having a, a false element, you know, of comfort, if, if you want, uh, when in reality you still have, you know, emission going up, which is, you mm. know, uh, obviously not what you would want to deal with climate change. <laughs> Yeah, so regular reporting, and it sounds like transparency is key as well. Being, being honest and upfront of where 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 the, where the company is at. Um, are there are there any other sort of red flags that investors should look out for in terms of these commitments um, where companies might not be? Um, <laughs> I don't want to say greenwashing because we hear it a lot, but sort of maybe not, maybe over egging what they're doing a bit. <laughs> Yeah, no. So I think we've covered most of them, which is, mm. which is the the breadth uh, of of the the commitment. So how much of the emissions are under mm. the the targets? Uh, we we've seen the the length in time, and in particular having uh, short term interim targets, and then you know an assessment of the track record, if if you want, would be the the sort of third dimension of of analysis. Okay, great, and. Which sectors are better than this than others? <laughs> well, I think it's 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 variable. You know, in a sense, what is important is is obviously to look at the highest emitting sectors because mm. uh, we, we're not talking about a problem that affects all sector in an equal way. There are really high, very high emitting sectors. Mm. Uh, clearly, utilities. Uh, the uh, energy sector in general, cement, you know, steel manufacturing. So if you take those, um, you know, probably five or six high emitting sector, you you get to seventy percent of of the emission. You know, uh, so so it it really matters to uh, focus on that. That doesn't mean that when you add up uh, all the participants, you know, you still need to, uh, if you want, have commitments because everyone needs to make their um, you know or take their share of, of the burden but clearly the, the high meeting sector will uh, will have a, a big mm -hmm. impact and and there again uh, you you have now I think for most of this highest emitting sector uh, at least some indication you know that the company are giving shareholder one what, what they want to do but you have still you know, very big exceptions of, of some utilities that, you know, are, are not communicating at all on, on their mission, which 
uh, we think is going to be more and more totally unacceptable, you know, bo yeah. both by, you know, clients, government, you know, shareholder, you know, it's, it's unacceptable if you're, if you're in a high emitting sector to, you know, not communicate at all on, on your emission and, and what you're uh, going to do with it. But that is still the case, if you mm -hmm. want, uh, probably a bit more in emerging market than in developed market, but still, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not, we're far from, every company having you know to report on the emission and that's why by the way some of the efforts that um, um, entities uh, like the IFRS which is the um, uh, accounting uh, uh, standard boards um, are, are pushing at the moment are really important because you know we need at least some minimum standard of disclosure that would apply mm. to all companies but in particular in the high emitting sector and for that you and there's a limit to voluntary disclosure at one point in time there's a need to uh, make uh, everyone report uh, mm. it's a bit like um, you know you you don't have company that choose not to report their profit and loss or balance sheet information mm. it's just basic information you need to have so 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 there there is a uh, an effort happening at the moment with uh, this ifrs um, initiative, which, you know, we support fully because, you know, it's really important to get to some, you know, even playing thing on the, on the disclosure side. Right? Yeah, we are starting to see sort of some mandatory disclosures around this. We've seen the, the pensions, um, TCFD mandatory reporting come out recently as well. And um, we've also seen in, um, we've also covered on ESG Clarity, the um, big, announcements around oil with the sort of about with the shareholder pressure the court rulings do you have any comments around that and like I mean, it was described as a, as a milestone moment for that that sector is that something that you agree with yeah no definitely what we've seen uh if you want in in particular clearly with uh, the uh, uh, with the Exxon and to some extent Chevron, you know, um, example is that uh, shareholders are now, you know, exercising, you know, a real pressure uh, on these companies, and um, and that's what you would want, right? So, so there is a limit to what I would say polite engagement with companies. Mm -hmm. uh, we know from our experience that. Uh, you know, you need to start with that. And, and for a lot of companies, it works, you know, if people are reasonable and, and try to go in the right direction, but it doesn't work with uh, the, the real laggards uh, that, you know, are fighting tooth and nail on, on this topic, mm -hmm. but we've seen it more generally when we rate companies, they are clearly uh, companies that are bad actors. And, and that's a bit sometime uh, the element of, you know, bit of a naive view of the world <laughs> that yeah. you know, everyone yeah. is good uh you know as like in society most people the vast vast majority of people are, are great uh, but they are uh you know bad actors and and for those bad actors there's no point in being nice you know at one point mm -hmm. in time you you have to uh, uh you know really get into uh, hard discussion. I think that's uh, to a large extent what happened with with Exxon, yeah. and I think it's a good thing because uh, that's uh, that's what you would expect from you know from shareholders uh, is to uh, put that pressure on companies mm. uh, if there is a real real big problems. Yeah, I liked those phrases: polite engagement and bad actors. <laughs> that seems very fitting. Um, if polite engagement doesn't work, then yeah, the big guns have got to come out, haven't they? <laughs> um, so MSCI have developed a new 
net zero tracker tool. So can you tell me a bit about that and how it works? Yeah, so, so it's, um, it's uh, still in development. We, we said that we would release it in particular in the context of our effort to provide transparency in the run-up to the COP26 um, uh, conference. Uh, what, we, what we want is to uh, provide a, an analytical tool or report that allows everyone, you know, not, not just you know, our clients, but everyone to be able to track the progress uh, towards this 1.5 you know, degree goal. And, and so for that, uh, you, you need to uh, look at you know um, uh, progress across all the sectors, uh, which we're going to do. So looking at the emissions, both again scope one and two, as well as scope three, which you know in in a sector like the oil and gas industry are really really uh, critical, uh, and we will do that every quarter. So you can actually start looking at at progress because again, what sometimes is not fully understood is that. We talk a lot about you know emission reduction, but we're still uh, uh, in a, in a phase where the emissions are going up, the intensity maybe going down, but the emissions are still going up. Again, the COVID crisis has sort of uh, disrupted the trend, but but um, but it's not again uh, because uh, we are talking about structural. Uh, change in emission, it was clearly linked to, to the crisis. So we want to be able to provide that transparency on a quarterly basis. We want also to be able to call out uh, the people are doing the best you know, efforts in terms of reduction or, or real you know, results, and also call some of the uh, um, companies that are either, as we were discussing a bit earlier, uh, are not providing the necessary transparency and you know, in, in particular the most opaque companies in high emitting sector i think this is again as we are saying something that is is totally unacceptable so we will actually put a spotlight on those uh, companies we we have the benefit if you want of uh, being able to model emissions when the disclosure is not there so we have relatively good models to um, assess the emissions, so we're in a situation where we can highlight uh, the one where our model are pointing out, you know, quite a lot of emission. But when you look at, you know, the disclosure of companies, you know, nothing is is uh, is being communicated on on that front. So so that we can we can bring some element of transparency, and that's no different from if you're on our you know other efforts where we've provided our company rating or our fund rating or the the rating of the funds on ESG more generally to the general public on our website. So so we. Think that there is a, a need for for transparency uh, in order to help you know people you know understand and then uh, and then make you know informed decisions. Fantastic. Um, so one final question: as um, we count down to COP twenty six, what's what's your outlook for? I mean, obviously we're going to see more sort of more net zero pledges. Hopefully, um, is there anything else that you'll be looking out for? What would you like to see? Well, first, we, uh, we believe that uh, the, uh, COP26 will be really, really important. You know, there, you know, sometimes, you know, these uh, efforts fail at the last moment, but I'm, I'm quite hopeful that, you know, this cycle of, of the COP26 will be, um, you know, a, an impactful one, in particular in uh, the context of finance, because that's one of the theme of this particular uh, COP. So, so um, we would hope, uh, for example, that on the 
regulatory side, uh, there would be some sort of an agreement uh, to make TCFD reporting compulsory, uh, for example, across you know a high number of countries. Uh, that would, I think, would be quite beneficial. We mentioned mm -hmm. the IFRS effort, which are kind of linked to to this. So, yeah. if we could get out of the COP, you know, an even playing field in terms of disclosure, at least, you know, the the basic element of on on emission, I think we would have made some progress on the transparency. Clearly, organizing the um, a commitment to net zero on a more systematic basis is also quite important, and we are. Uh, supporting, for example, all these, you know, net zero Glasgow initiative that, you know, Mark Carney and, and the team are, are organizing because, again, uh, uh, once as an investor in your pension fund or an asset manager, when you make a public commitment to reduce the emission in your portfolio, in your fund, and it's public, and you have you know, short-term interim targets, then you cannot not do anything, right? So you have to look at every fund, you have to start monitoring your portfolio, and that's where you start really shifting capital. Mm -hmm. and, and so we've seen it with a few examples of leading pension fund who've made those commitments public that you know, it has an effect on the day-to-day -day management of the portfolio. So imagine that you know, most of the uh, large asset manager and most of the large pension fund uh, are getting organized and start making those commitments. You will see a real change you know, in terms of reallocation of capital and real change similar to the activists, you know, pressure that we've seen um, uh, recently in the oil and gas sector. This will intensify mm -hmm. because it becomes a commitment as opposed to something which is voluntary, but, you know, maybe not as, as strict as, um, you know, as you think. So, so that's what we would expect on the COP26 cycle. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Yeah, I, I thought that 2020 was... Um, a year where we saw real acceleration in this space, but it feels like this year it's definitely accelerating again, especially in the regulation and the reporting and moving from voluntary to mandatory. Um, well, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for your time, Remy. Well, thank you very much, uh, Natalie. Thank you. Find us on SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for ESG Out Loud.